1: I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. The San Francisco Chronicle newsroom has been publishing extensive homeless reporting projects annually since 2016. During the first five years, we focused on the crisis in San Francisco, but now the Chronicle is looking at Oakland. And it's not just the location of the reporting that's changed, it's also who Chronicle reporters and photographers chose to shadow for five months. The four unique life stories captured in our latest homeless project are Oakland's native sons and daughters. Their stories cut across demographics, but each of them grew up in Oakland. They all at one point owned a home and had some measure of financial stability. It's a chronic characteristic of the city's homeless population. Nearly eight out of every 10 unhoused people were living in Alameda County when they lost their housing. So how did Oakland residents with good jobs and deep roots in the community wind up unhoused? Chronicle reporter Kevin Fagan joins me to explain what this year's Chronicle Homeless Project reveals. You can read it now in the Chronicle app or online at sfchronicle.com slash homeless-oakland. Later, I'll speak with reporter Sarah Ravani and photographer Gabriel Lurie to learn more about one of the people profiled in the project, 70-year-old Delbra Taylor. Her story highlights the aging homeless population and the unique challenges the group faces in Oakland. But first, let's learn more about the overall project with Kevin Fagan. Kevin, thank you for joining me on Fifth and Mission.
0: Oh, I'm glad to be here. I really believe in this project, and I'm glad to talk about it.
1: Well, let's talk about it. This is the sixth homeless project from The Chronicle, and I understand you've been a part of each project since the very beginning. So I want to ask, why focus on Oakland now? What makes this year's homeless project different?
0: Well, we've always looked regionally, and what we're trying to do is do something different every year. And the trouble with covering homelessness is that there's a lot of sameness to it. I mean, there are things that change, numbers change, funding changes, but the basic problem is the same. Mm-hmm. Oakland popped up uh, as a kind of an obvious uh, focus because the 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 problem in Oakland over the last couple of years has become so pronounced that it's become a bit of a symbol for uh, the, the the problem in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Oakland has a lot of Freeways, BART tracks, open spaces, and the, uh, the tent camps uh, become super visible as you're driving around. Just about anyone who ventures anywhere through Oakland sees the encampments, and they really stand out. It's, it's, more, it's more in your face than in other communities.
1: It's a very visible problem, and we don't yet have the latest homeless count, so we don't know the pandemic's impact on the city's unhoused population, nor do we know the updated demographics. But the defining characteristic of this year's project is that each of the unhoused residents that the project shadowed, they grew up in Oakland. They were former homeowners. How common is this narrative in Oakland, maybe compared to other Bay Area cities?
0: That was Actually, a really fascinating aspect of it uh, most people who are homeless in America, uh, let alone the Bay Area, let alone oakland, uh, were living in the towns they became homeless in before they became homeless in oakland it 's about nearly eighty uh, percent in san francisco it 's around seventy percent but that's that's a that 's a very common thing because if if you become homeless generally and especially if you 're becoming chronically homeless or you know severely homeless. You're going to stay in the same community. You, you, you know, you know where the places to go get help are. You know where the food is. You know where the places to hide are, the places for shelter. It's, it's familiar ground. So, you know, this, there's, there's a myth that uh, people all pour into Oakland or pour into San Francisco from other parts of the country. And sure, there's some of that, but it's not the, the wave that, people seem to think.
1: So each of the four people featured in the project have an intimate connection to Oakland. They're Oakland natives. Their families used to own homes here. Tell me more about them and the the different paths that led them to being unhoused.
0: Yeah, having owned homes, having grown up, first of all, uh, in homes that were owned by their families, and then having owned places themselves made them an even more dramatic example of the dynamic of people Having lived in the town that they became homeless in, the four people that we picked represented different aspects of that. Derek uh, is one of the the folks that we profiled. He kind of represents a loss of the American dream for because he has an immigrant family that came over here from uh, Asia and it slipped away for Derek
2: back in nineteen sixty six my parents purchased uh, the family home it, it was different it, it was it was a different neighborhood, different people, there were a lot more kids back then. Uh, we stayed there from 1966 and then uh, we, the court, uh, took it away uh, in April of uh, 2002. And, and that's when I became homeless.
0: It's harder for people of color, people who are not white, to retain wealth in this country and to, to attain it and retain it. and Uh, That that dynamic you see over and over and over. Uh, Now, Delbra, uh, another uh, person that we followed, essentially, she became older. She was less able to to work. uh, The the little bit of of wealth that she accumulated, she was cheated out of it. And now she's uh, 70 and uh, without a house, without a home, without an apartment. How are you going to restart? Uh, at that that age, it's
2: been hard, and I would tell anybody, don't take life for granted, because everything is not promised. No matter how right you are, no matter what you do right, you still can end up looking like you did wrong. And because of that, um, I became homeless.
0: And uh, Pumpkin, another fellow that we we followed, was a just a direct victim of predatory lending. He needed a loan to help uh, stay in the house that he owned, and uh, some fraudsters came along and gave him a a bunko loan that that ballooned, and he got took, and the fraudsters went to jail, but uh, he lost his house. To see how much my grandmother worked to maintain that property for so long, with five boys and a grandchild, just hard to let go, so, yeah i hang around but to see how much it's changed for the good down here it's also pushed out a lot of good people that didn't deserve to be put on the streets now gwen uh, a gal that we followed in the street uh, her basic problem is, is a drug addiction and she had a fourplex in it, an apartment complex that she owned and uh, had a guaranteed income and Things were fine until uh, drugs made her unstable and unable to to maintain what she had.
3: It was a series of events that happened. And over the years at work, my performance started to fail. And so the last year in particular was rough. And I ended up, um, I had a lot of fatigue at that time. And I slept through my alarm clock two days in a row and got fired.
0: (laughs) So the other commonality among all four of these folks is that they're all over 50. And that's one of the mm. the most alarmingly growing statistics or or demographics in uh, uh, homelessness all over the country, let alone here. Uh, uh, the The average age of homeless people now in the Bay Area and on the streets is around fifty or older, and mm. uh, about forty percent of those people who are over fifty became homeless after they were fifty, which Which really underscores one of the, the glaring problems in, in our society. If you're making a low wage, you know, you're, you're doing an honest job, you know, swinging a shovel, punching a, a a cash register, uh, you know, showing up for work every day. It's a, it's physical work and it's, it's doesn't pay enough to be able to save anything, let alone, you know, Mm -hmm. just barely make the rent. So when you start getting into your fifties and you start getting any kind of physical trouble, your back goes out. Your knees, you know, don't won't let you stand the way you used to. What are your choices? So you successfully start rattling down the ladder of support, the 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 tattered social safety net, as we call it. And before long, you wind up homeless if if things go really bad. And that's what's happened to these folks.
1: Age is a key vulnerability for an unhoused person, and a report by the City Auditor's Office in April found that Oakland is quote not adequately prepared to confront homelessness did the project highlight this tattered social safety net like you mentioned
0: yeah it is and i'll tell you every single city in in the in california is not doing enough and the hopeful sign that i saw in all this is that people are devoting more resources the san francisco is is uh, more than doubling the money that it puts into homeless programs and oakland is uh significantly uh upping the number of programs and the money that it's putting in uh, and a lot of that is thanks to uh federal money that came in because of the pandemic uh Oakland's getting eleven million dollars uh to build new affordable housing and help folks uh get rentals and statewide there there are policies that are going to create more affordable housing uh but this this stuff takes time you know't Flip a switch and it's done in a year. You don't solve the problem overnight. Oakland has just about doubled the number of shelter spaces it has. It's trying to build more affordable housing. It's fallen way short of that. It's about 20% or so of the goal that it set some years ago. Um, it's it's like digging a mountain and digging a mountain without as much help as you need.
1: Were there common themes between the four characters and understanding why they still feel so connected to a city that has left them on the streets. Why do they choose to stay in Oakland as it rapidly changes and leaves them behind?
0: It's familiar. It's, it's, uh, it's you know, Oakland has great people in it. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a kind city in a lot of ways. It's a city where if you're living in the street, you know where to go uh you know a lot of these folks are just within a mile or two of the houses they grew up in uh if you're in despair and mm-hmm. you're at the very bottom of what you hoped you were going to try to have in your life there's some comfort in being near this house you used to live in uh and it that 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 mm-hmm. is of course very mm-hmm. sad but it makes sense i mean we are creatures of habit humans like to be where they know know the landscape. And that's, that's really a driving force for these folks. Being homeless on the street is scary enough as it is, but doing that in a place you don't know anything about is very scary, is scarier. So you stay where you know where the mm-hmm. things are.
1: You mentioned having conversations with Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff and you'll have the opportunity to do that again on November 18th. The Chronicle will host a virtual live event on the Oakland Homeless Project. I'll also be hosting that event and I wonder, you know, what are you looking forward to discussing with her and her position on homelessness during her leadership?
0: Oh, I'm excited for that panel. It's it's going to be a good talk. I I believe having known her for many years now that she she is sincere about trying to tackle this problem. And the, the leaders of Oakland are sincere. They're, the trouble is that there are many different ways you can approach that. And one of, her, one of the things that she emphasized to me when we when we talked is that it's becoming amazingly unaffordable to, to live just about anywhere. One thing she told me was there's some real myth-busting that must be done about homelessness in 2021. And one thing that she pointed out was that when you look at the Bay Area, it's not just Oakland facing this problem. She said, there are no zip codes that have a median rent that is affordable to someone making the minimum wage. So that's a real factor. It cre- What it does is it creates a fountain of homelessness that no matter how much shelter you build, no, no matter how many people you route into affordable housing, it's going to keep replenishing. And you see that all over the Bay Area. This is not just an Oakland problem. And, it's, and Oakland is not isolated in its efforts to fix this and, and can't be isolated in its efforts to fix this has to be happening all over because when programs fail in other cities, they wind up uh, bleeding over into the, the nearby ones. I think the fact that all of these folks owned homes uh, really emphasizes more than uh, any other thing that we could have singly done the fact that, that most people who are homeless became homeless in their own communities. It's mystifying to me why the the myth of everyone pouring in from everywhere else continues to to persist because the the truth is that in most cities in America they're you know they're homegrown they they were there before they hit the streets.
1: Kevin Fagan is the lead reporter on the Oakland Homeless Project. He'll also be moderating a panel that will include Mayor Libby Schaff at a Chronicle Live event about the project, which I'll be hosting too. It's going down on November 18th, and you can register for it at sfchronicle.com slash membership. After a quick break, we'll meet one of the Oakland natives featured in the project, 70-year-old Delbra Taylor. Chronicle reporter Sarah Ravani and photographer Gabrielle Lurie join me to talk about how she wound up living in her car for seven years. And they share what was different about reporting on this year's homeless project. Don't forget, the project is online now at sfchronicle.com homeless Oakland and in the Chronicle app. Chronicle reporters Sarah Rivani and Gabrielle Lurie shadowed Delbert Taylor for five months. She's one of four unhoused people featured in this year's Chronicle Homeless Project. Thank you both for being here. Sarah, let's start with you. Who is Delbert Taylor and how did you meet her? When we first set out to do this project
4: about people who are homeless in Oakland, who are from Oakland, I reached out to Candace Elder. She is the executive director of the East Oakland Collective, which is a grassroots nonprofit um, in Oakland that does a lot of outreach with um, unhoused communities, particularly in East Oakland. And she introduced me to Delbra. She said that she met Delbra when Delbra was living in her car outside the Denny's parking lot in East Oakland. And it was during the pandemic. She's older, she has had health issues, and she was just very vulnerable
1: to COVID, but also just very vulnerable living in her car with nothing else. Delbra was raised in Oakland, and this project highlights how unhoused people are living close to the houses they used to own, sometimes just within walking distance. Sarah, you went with her to look at her childhood home in Oakland. Let's listen to her chat about her connection to the city.
2: I was... um born in Alexandria, Louisiana. But I came to California, we came to Oakland, and then my mother didn't want an apartment, she wanted a home. And this is the house that she chose. This was their first home, and they were here for over 20 some years. You know, me and my brother, I had one brother, we grew up here. I don't think I left out of this house. I must have been in my 20s. So,
1: Gabrielle, as a photographer, you know, the thing that I love about your work is how you embed yourself in these stories with the people in the stories. And I wonder, how did you spend your time with Delbra? What what is life like for her as an unhoused person? What does her
3: day-to-day look like? Well, one of the things that I love about Delbra is that she just defies any stereotype that one might think about um, an unhoused person or population. Um, the first time I met her, she took me to her storage unit. And her storage unit is like a huge walk-in closet. And it's full of organized clothes and shoes and handbags and hats and you know everything is matched. And she proudly showed me, you know, I'm going to wear this on this day and it's going to match with that. And I thought, wow, who is this woman? Like, she's so much more organized than I am. And she's just has so much integrity and dignity that, um, you know, despite her situation that she was living in her car, bathing in her car, she still would attend church. She would go to the gym and she would get her nails done. Things that made her feel whole. And, you know, I think... It was really eye-opening for me just to see someone who's just taking care of themselves and not saying, you know, my situation is tough, so I'm just going to let everything go. She said to herself, my situation is tough,
2: and I'm going to get through it by doing everything that I normally would do. God blessed me to get this car. People say, why did you get a car and not a apartment? Well, I couldn't get an apartment. I couldn't afford it. But I accepted what God gave me. To sleep in, and I took care of. I take care of my car, because that was my home. Until God bless me with something better. I just wanted to show she's just like any of us, and I think that um, that's what
3: we try to do at the Chronicle in general is just show that, like, y- you know, what you may think of someone who is unhoused is not actually the reality, and. Um, most people don't know that Delbra is homeless. Even people at her church were shocked to find that out. Mm. I spoke to reporter
1: Kevin Fagan about the, the premise of this project. And so much of it is about myth busting around Oakland's unhoused population. And so I want to understand, you know, how did Delbra end up where she is? How did she wind up being unhoused? So Delbra's story is pretty complicated. We couldn't verify
4: all of the circumstances, but ultimately um, Delbra owned a home in Hayward. It was a mobile home, three bedrooms. It was the first time she had ever owned her own home. And she purchased it outright using inheritance money after
2: her father passed away. I moved there in 2013. Um, the, really the best memory there was the day I got my keys. And to be able to walk around and say, this is mine. I never had a home, you know, that was mine. I was always in apartments, but that was my first home. And I was proud of it. She moves into the
4: home, and after about a year, she was ultimately evicted. The home required lot payments. We don't know how much she owed, but that day when she was kicked out of her home after deputies came and said, you have to go, she became homeless. And she came right back to the East Oakland area where she ultimately grew up. And for a while, she slept at the bus stop that was directly across the street from the Denny's that's near the Coliseum. And then um was finally able to kind of get a car and she would park right next to that Denny's. And she slept in the car for
3: almost seven years. You know, I think what's so traumatizing about Delbra's story is that, you know, her father passed and it was really hard for her and she sold his house and that was just a little, you know, nugget of money for her that she could live off of. And with that, she she bought this house. She had a future in front of her that she didn't have to worry about. Um, and all of a sudden she got that taken away and at a very old age became homeless. And, you know, there were times when she said she was, she would be nervous in her car by herself as a woman. And she would try to park close to other men that she trusted. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, this experience, I think, especially someone like Miss Delbra, who uh, she doesn't ask for help. She doesn't necessarily tell people what's even going on. She keeps a lot of it in. Mm -hmm. And, She's
1: 70 years old, and being an older person is, a, is another vulnerability as an unhoused person. What kind of support has she been able to get from the city of Oakland? You mentioned that she's not someone who likes
3: to ask for help, um, but what kind of support does she have access to? Every month— Delbra collects around five or $600 a month from Social Security. A big chunk of that is going to the insurance for her car. And she also gets $20 a month in food stamps. But Ms. Delbra is not the kind of person who likes to ask for things. I even went with her to, um, to a food bank and she very reluctantly took a little bit of food only because she was told that there was extra But it's not in her personality to ask for things. She really wants
2: to lift herself up. I'm proud of who I am. I know I have been through struggles, but I'm not going to let my struggle keep me down. So I just tell people, never give up. Never give up hope. And I always keep God in their life. I've always had God in my life. And I really do believe I could pray to him, and read his word to give me strength. That's how I know I made it because I've had many friends, many girlfriends that Deborah, how do you do it? I would get out that car and they say, you did all of that in a car? But God gave me courage to make it through. Sarah, Delbra
1: seems like an incredibly resilient person, but the eviction from her mobile home in Hayward has made it really challenging for her to find future housing. Can you explain why? Yeah, I often say that having
4: an eviction on your record when you apply for a new housing unit is as bad as like having a felony on your record. It can just immediately disqualify you for any type of unit because landlords don't want to rent to somebody that has an eviction on their record. Um, California law states that evictions... Um, will be cleared from your record after seven years if you have no other eviction. And in Delbra's case, seven years has passed since her eviction. She's lived outside for seven years. But now when she's applying for housing units, you know, throughout Oakland, earlier this summer, she had applied for an apartment in East Oakland and was ultimately approved for it. And it was just like this, For her, you know, this moment was everything, like after so long of waiting and trying to be responsible when everything is against you. And then the property manager calls her and says, oh, actually, you're not approved because you have this eviction on your record. And she was so devastated because seven years has passed, it shouldn't be held against her. So she appealed the decision and went and got court records to show that her eviction is seven years old and that they can't hold it against her. And they, they approved her appeal. She won the appeal ultimately, but housing is really in demand in Oakland. And in the time it took for that appeal to be processed, the unit that she had been initially approved for Was given to somebody else.
1: Is there a sense that the city is able to provide her access to resources to help alleviate some of these challenges, especially as a senior? Yeah. So, one bright light from the
4: pandemic is that all of these relief funds have been made available to cities and counties throughout the country, but In Oakland, the mayor recently signed on to be part of President Biden's House America initiative, um, which basically means that she committed to building a certain number of affordable units and to house a certain number of people through uh, a housing voucher that's similar to Section 8. And Delbra was one of the recipients of that housing voucher, which is tremendous. It'll cover whatever unit she gets approved for it'll cover most of her rent where she doesn't have to worry about spending most of her income on housing.
1: So where is Delbra now? What is her current housing situation? Delbra is still in the trailer. Um,
4: She was approved for an apartment uh, with this new housing voucher, which is incredibly exciting. However, um, it's been kind of a bumpy road regardless of the approval. So it's still a waiting game. Um, She's already packed up and ready to go. She's already figured out her color patterns for the unit and how she wants to decorate. She's saving money to purchase pots and pans and furniture. She's ready to go. Everything is packed up. Um, So she's very excited and very hopeful that this will
1: pan out. So you both have been able to witness Delbra's housing journey and, you know, I wonder, reporting on homelessness is incredibly difficult, especially since you're connecting with people in such precarious situations. And I wonder for both of you, is there a different approach that you take when you're covering this issue? And was this project in particular any different?
3: You know, these kind of stories take time. They It's not overnight. And understandably, Delbra had reservations about sharing her story to the world. Like, as we said, she's a reserved person. Her friends didn't know. Her church didn't know. And now she's telling the whole world. And I think she's just such a good reminder of how the people that walk among us, really, we don't know their situation. And I hope that people will see this and, and really know that there are more Delbras out there
1: I hope so, too. This is an important project that dispels a lot of myths about homelessness. Thank you both for your reporting and for sharing it with us. Thank you. Thank you. Sarah Ravani covers Oakland and the East Bay for The Chronicle, and Gabrielle Lurie is a Chronicle staff photographer. They were part of the reporting team for The Oakland Homeless Project, which you can read online now on the Chronicle app or on sfchronicle.com slash homeless dash Oakland. If you want to learn even more about the project, join me and reporter Kevin Fagan at our live event on November 18th. Register at sfchronicle.com membership. We've been discussing a local story and there's also a big national one that's worth your attention. Tuesday's gubernatorial election in Virginia has huge implications for both national and California politics. Chronicle political reporters, Joe Garofoli and Tal Copin will talk about it on the It's All Political podcast. Look for that episode publishing late Wednesday morning. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, Karen Creighton for her production help, and thanks to you for listening.